The kingdom of God is one of the most written about concepts in the New Testament. Jesus spoke often about it, and in fact, it was at the core of his gospel message. Yet many people today would be hard pressed to explain what that kingdom is. Where will it be? When will it be? And how can we prepare for and be a part of that kingdom? How well do you know the kingdom that Jesus preached? What do you think the kingdom is? Are you sure that your concept of the kingdom really comes from the Bible, from Jesus? So today let's explore some of the scriptures that describe that kingdom and answer the question, what is the kingdom of God? In the Gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Gospel means good news. And Jesus preached the good news of a coming kingdom. Jesus described it as a literal kingdom that will one day rule the world with he himself as the king of all nations and all peoples. Many of Jesus' 40 or so parables were about the kingdom. Well-known parables like the parable of the sower, the parable of the mustard seed, start with Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is like. Then he goes on to explain something about the kingdom. Jesus sent his apostles into the world preaching that same gospel. And the same fundamental message is to be proclaimed by his church until the time of the end when Jesus returns. In Matthew 24, verse 14, he says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Doesn't it seem odd that many, if not most Christians, have been taught that the gospel is about Jesus rather than about the kingdom? They focus on Jesus as Savior. Now, the fact that he's our Savior is absolutely vital. But why has the message of the kingdom been sidelined, virtually ignored by some, especially when what the Bible teaches about that kingdom is so encouraging and life-changing? Yes, Jesus died for our sins. and He did that so that we can inherit the kingdom of God. In his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught that we should make the kingdom a priority. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To seek the kingdom, we have to know what it is. Is it something that we already have in our hearts? Why would we seek something that we already have? Is the Christian church or a specific denomination the kingdom? If so, which one? And if it's here now, why don't we live in a very different world than what we see? one that is like the kingdom described in the Bible. The Bible is clear about what the kingdom of God will be. Ultimately, everyone who responds to God's message will enter the kingdom as a spiritual child of God. And before that, the kingdom will encompass the entire world and bring peace and happiness and prosperity to all nations. We certainly don't see that in the world today. God's word tells us that the kingdom of God is a literal kingdom, that it will initially be set up right here on earth, 
with Jesus Christ himself returning from heaven to rule all nations. The Bible shows that it will be a time, specifically a thousand years, of peace and joy and prosperity for all peoples due to Christ governing the earth. Ultimately, the kingdom of God will exist as God with his children, changed into spirit beings in the family of God, ruling with him over the entire universe. In the next few minutes, we'll explore the scriptures that describe that kingdom. And most importantly, we'll see why the biblical concept of the kingdom, the one Jesus taught, is awe-inspiring and life-changing. So let's get into it. As I mentioned, there are different concepts of the kingdom of God. Later in this episode, we'll talk about why some believe the kingdom is in the hearts of believers and how that is a misunderstanding of what Jesus actually said. We'll also talk about the idea that the kingdom is the Christian church or some particular denomination of the church. Where did that idea come from? It wasn't the Bible. Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 4, verse 11, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Not everyone was supposed to understand the mystery of the kingdom. But Jesus explained it, and you can understand it. Jesus revealed the truth about the kingdom to his disciples. He taught them about the same kingdom that the Old Testament prophets wrote about. There is much to learn about the kingdom from Jesus, the prophets, and the apostles. From them we know that the first 1,000 years after Christ returns, the kingdom of God will be the utopian time that humanity has long desired. God inspired the prophet Isaiah to write about the kingdom. In Isaiah 2, beginning in verse 2, he writes, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations will flow to it. In these verses, mountains are symbolic of governments, and the government of God will one day rule over all nations and peoples. Isaiah continues, Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Eventually, all peoples will desire to learn and live according to God's ways. And notice the kind of world that will develop. Isaiah continues, And he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Finally, the world will experience Peace. Another prophet, Amos, describes the prosperity the world will enjoy. In Amos chapter 9, in verse 13, he writes, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills will flow with it. This beautiful poetic passage describes a literal time of prosperity for the entire world. How do we know this kingdom will literally govern the entire world? 
Long before Jesus was born, God caused Nebuchadnezzar, a king in ancient Babylon, to have a dream. You'll find this in the book of Daniel chapter 2. The dream was of an image of a giant man with a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, and legs of iron, and feet of iron and clay. God revealed that these different materials symbolized great empires, empires that would exist from Daniel's time until the return of Jesus Christ. Now, these were all human empires that would have influence particularly over the area where the ancient Israelites settled, what we know today as Israel. These empires of men would exist in various forms all the way up until the time of the kingdom of God is established. Let's look at the important point that God inspired Daniel to understand. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, we read, You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron and clay and bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff in the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away so that no trace was found of them, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. The stone is symbolic of Jesus Christ returning to set up his kingdom on earth. Notice his kingdom destroys the power of human kingdoms. In verse 44, Daniel explains the interpretation of the dream. And in the days of these kings, speaking of the final rulers of those empires, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and shall stand forever. This prophecy shows clearly that the kingdom of God is a real government, one that will replace the governments of this world and rule forever. This is a prophecy of an all-powerful God acting at a certain point in time to quickly take away the power and authority of human governments and finally take for himself the responsibility of governing the world. The power of the kingdoms of this world will be broken into pieces. When the kingdom of God comes on this earth, it will be swift. Prophecies show that it will begin in Jerusalem and quickly spread into all the world. It won't struggle for thousands of years with various human leaders who want to maintain their own authority. This is the idea that some have, that the church is the kingdom of God that God will, through human church organization, struggle for thousands of years and eventually gain world-ruling power and influence. The idea that the church is the kingdom of God is not found in the Bible. Jesus didn't teach it, and the apostles didn't teach it. Theologians who lived over a hundred years after Jesus began to teach that the kingdom of God was not a future literal kingdom, but a figurative one that was already present in the world through the church. This new and false teaching served to increase the power of the church at the time. After all, 
Who could resist the church if it was the very kingdom of God on earth? Historically, there have been times when the church had the authority and power to remove kings and establish kings. But those times were not characterized by peace and prosperity for all peoples. And sadly, those were often times of suffering, ignorance, and moral depravity, even among powerful church leaders who claimed to represent Jesus. What a disappointing and disheartening concept of the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of God is not already here in the form of any church denomination. Where God rules, there is godliness and moral uprightness. We don't see that in the world today. The kingdom of God is not here yet. So that leads us to the question, if the kingdom of God is where God rules, is the kingdom in our hearts? Is it in the hearts of believers, those who have accepted Jesus? Is that really what Jesus meant in Luke 17, verse 21, when he said, the kingdom of God is within you? When you look into it, you find that many modern Bibles translate the verse this way. The kingdom of God is in your midst, or the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. In other words, Jesus Christ, the representative of and the future king of the kingdom, was right there in the midst of them, and they didn't realize it. The fact that he meant in the midst of you rather than in your hearts becomes even more clear when we consider that he was speaking to the Pharisees. These were the religious leaders of the Jewish community. They were not followers of Jesus. They did not believe that he was the Messiah. God wasn't ruling in their hearts. And in other places, Jesus actually calls them hypocrites, blind guides, and fools. He certainly would not have told them that the kingdom of God was within them, in their hearts. No, he was saying that he, the representative of that kingdom, was right there in the midst of them. Yes, Jesus is to rule in our hearts and minds. The kingdom of God is not just something inside us. It is something that will one day rule over the world and over all nations. So when will the kingdom come? Jesus came the first time to preach the gospel and to die for our sins. In the book of Hebrews, we're told that later he will appear a second time for salvation. According to Jesus' teachings in the Olivet Prophecy and in the book of Revelation, there will be a time of great tribulation in the world, worse than the world has ever experienced. Then, afterward, Jesus Christ will return to establish his kingdom on earth. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 30, that when he comes, people around the world will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, we read, The seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Isaiah 9 verse 7 adds something critically important to understand. 
of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. For the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The kingdom of God arrives on this earth at the return of Jesus Christ. The saints are resurrected and his thousand-year reign, his millennial reign, begins. Long after that initial period of a thousand years has ended, the kingdom will still be here and it will never end. That helps us understand what Paul says to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. He goes on to explain in verses 53 and 54, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. To be in the kingdom of God, one must be prepared to inherit that kingdom, must be following God to be accounted as one of his saints. So let's summarize what we've covered so far. The biblical kingdom of God is first a literal kingdom that will come to this world for a thousand years, one that Jesus himself will establish and rule one that will include all nations and all peoples of the earth. It is a kingdom that will bring peace, which mankind, our most noble intentions, has never been able to attain. It is a kingdom that will bring happiness, joy, and prosperity for the whole world. This is something that only the rulership of Jesus Christ could bring in this world. The kingdom is not a church. It is not Christianity slowly encompassing and converting the world as we know it today. Having this view of the kingdom is discouraging when we see so many problems and the moral depravity of the world. One would think that God is losing the battle. After that 1,000-year period, the kingdom of God will be comprised of all those who have shown God that they will indeed follow him. Those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior have repented, been baptized, and received the Holy Spirit. They will live forever with Him in His eternal kingdom. The biblical truth about the kingdom of God is powerful. It gives us hope for a real, peaceful, prosperous future. Not just for us, but for the whole world. That's why Jesus stressed to his followers, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do you want to know how to be in the kingdom of God? Do you want to know more about what it will be like and how the knowledge of the kingdom can change your life? Download your own free copy of our booklet, The Mystery of the Kingdom, and learn more about it and the role that you could have in the kingdom. God has a special role for those in his church as his kingdom is established in this world. He describes that role in the book of Revelation, where he says that his people 
shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. God has a plan for his people, a purpose. We will assist Jesus Christ helping bring his way of life to all the world. It will be an amazing responsibility. Jesus gave his life for you to be forgiven and reconciled to God. Will you be part of his world-ruling kingdom? He commissioned his disciples to proclaim the message, the good news of his kingdom, and the responsibilities that his elect will have. That is the message that you will find at lifehopeandtruth.com. Click the link, visit our site, and download your free copy of The Mystery of the Kingdom today. I'm Gary Black. Join us again for Life, Hope, and Truth Presents.